The text for the sermon this day is taken from all the readings you heard earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, I have this little thing here. If you ever look in my, if you ever go into my office, if you didn't notice, there's a lot of nerdy things in it. So, I got swords and pop vinyl figures and all that stuff. In fact, in a couple weeks, I'm planning to go to Chicago for a comic book convention to collect more stuff. But, right here is one of the things I got. It was given to me um, by one of my classmates when we did uh, CPE, which is Clinical Pastoral Education, which is where we spent an entire summer working in a hospital and basically visiting patients and things like that. And so, if you notice it, it's got the Batman logo shining up into the sky. And that's why she gave it to me, is because, in case you don't know, I like Batman. And so, but on it, it has this verse. A light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. So, one of the things about Batman and its lore is Batman lives in the city of Gotham. Gotham City. And it's a city that is riddled with crime, and you have people that have extreme levels of psychiatry and issues like that. And whenever, like, the Joker is loose or the Riddler is loose or whatever, they look, they'd be in the darkened night, they look up into the sky, and there the light would shine. And they'd see Batman's logo standing up in the sky to let them know Batman was on the prowl to save the day. It was their hope, their light, in the midst of a darkened city. This works very, very well, tying into the theme of today. Because our theme is ultimately about light. And yes, I realize to some degree, this is gonna sound with like a little bit of review from Sunday, and the Sunday before that, just the way it worked out. So if you missed the last two Sundays, it's not review. You're getting the sermon that you might have missed. But think about darkness. And I, when I mean darkness, I mean true darkness. Not where you have a nightlight on, not where you have the light, the flicker of your cell phone or a computer. Because I don't know if you noticed in modern day, it's really hard to get your room to be truly dark. Like just in my bedroom, I have a little a command strip that's connected to my computer and that little itty bitty light can light up most of the room. And so when I'm talking darkness, I'm talking about that darkness. You can't see anything. It's not fun walking around in those at that time, is it? You're trying to figure out where is the coffee table, where is the chair, and every now and then your toe will let you know where it's at. And so you can't see anything. You're feeling your way around. But what about that kind of darkness when you're not in some place that's familiar, like your house? See, in your house, you know your house probably so well that really you probably could walk through it with your eyes closed, because you laid it out and you've been walking it for years, unless you're in a new house. But you don't know, you're, you pretty much know your way. But what if 
You're in the woods in the dark at night. What if you're in a strange building? Then you have fear. What else is in that darkness? What else might be there? Who else might be there? Darkness fills us with fear. And see, Scripture talks a lot about light. Because the reality is, is that when we are born into sin, we are born into this darkened world. And when I say that, it's not just, for one, it is the sins that we commit. The sins we commit in thought, word, and deed. The things we leave undone. The things that, the times we fail to love our neighbor as ourselves. To love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. That's part of it. But darkness... A lot of times we like to use darkness to hide things. A lot of times, so think about it, there's something you don't want people to find, you put it in a chest or something like that, or a darkened closet. You put it somewhere that no one would know where it is. So it is with our sin. Sometimes the, the darkness of our sin, we like to cover it up. And this actually ties in with what we were talking about on our circuit weekly yesterday. We were talking about shame. Those sins that if anybody ever knew we did them would be horribly embarrassed. We think of the, it might be something that we said, the words that we said in anger to someone who is a friend, someone who is a relative, someone who is a spouse, some, maybe to your children, or maybe children to their parents. You say that horrible thing, and you, as soon as you say it, you regret it. And you'd be horrified if anybody ever knew that you spoke that way to someone you loved. As so you put it underneath, and hope that nobody knows that you, what you've done. Or even just the thoughts you might think. Now, fortunately, nobody, we can't read minds yet. But we had those thoughts. People thought, knew what I thought. Those moments when that just creeping thought would just pop in your head, and you're like, I cannot believe I thought this about this person. And so we bury it deep in our minds. Again, keep it hidden. Or maybe it's a thing that you found on the internet. Nobody will know that you did that. Nobody, nobody will know that you looked at that thing. Or maybe nobody will know what I wrote on that comment section. Nobody will know what I posted on social media. Because I could go under an anonymous name on Twitter or on YouTube or whatever. We could hide it. Keep our sins in the shadows. But see, the thing is, is we have this weird thing about this darkness, about this sinfulness and this shame. And that is sometimes a person might be proud of their darkness. Someone might say, well, you know what? Everyone else is doing this thing. You know, just because in certain times past, 
People actually were mindful about their relationships with others. And I'm talking about their intimate relationships. People would actually wait until they got married. They considered that to be honorable, and that was good. There was a time when that was true. But now, it's like, well, we see it all the, we see it all the time in the movies and the TV shows. It's got to be a normal thing. I mean, in fact, it's supposed to be part of a first or second date, it seems, in over half the movies. So that's got to be the way it is, and you've got to be proud of it. That's what our culture is telling us. And that's what many people have become about the darkness of this, these sins and many others. Say, take something like abortion, where you have on social media, shout your abortion with pride. But of course, there are still those who feel that bitter shame of when they have done it. And then there's others who they're dwelling in darkness, and they think, well, you know what? I may be in pitch black darkness, I can't see anything, but I'm not as bad as that other person's darkness. Never minding that your darkness is exactly the same, but convinced that that person, their sin, their bro brokenness, they are much worse than I am. I mean, you, this son of yours, think of the older son, and the parable of the Good Samaritan, or sorry, not the parable of the Good Samaritan, the prodigal son, the older son and the prodigal son, saying, this son of yours, when he returns. So often we want to be the older son. Oh, we are so much better. We don't have the problems they do. Look at Jesus eating with sinners, never minding that, guess what? You, too, are a sinner. So we play all these games with our sin. We play all these games to make it less than it is. Or to try to minimize it. But in reality is, is every single one of us dwells in darkness. One of the things that the church historically has done with its liturgy is we make really good use of candles. So, think back at Christmas Eve, gathered in this church, and the church is dark, all of your candles are lit, and we sing out Silent Night. A couple weeks later, we have, actually one week later, we have our, our New Year's Eve service. And one of the traditions that I've kind of established since I've been here is we start with a service of light. And so we start the church in pretty much all dark, except for the single candle. And so everybody would come into the darkness, and I'd say those words, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The light no darkness has overcome. And I process forward carrying on a tradition of the church that goes back almost to the time of the apostles. That the, Christ, the early Christians would gather into catacombs, into caves, surrounded with the reality that all of their friends are being executed for being a Christian. And so as they're surrounded by this death, they come into that darkened place, and they look and they see that candle. 
that no matter how dark the catacombs may be, no matter how early it is in the morning, it cannot overcome the light of that candle. A reminder that no darkness, no matter how great it is, can overcome the light of Christ. In a few weeks, we'll gather for Good Friday. And this church will be completely black again. Dark. No lights. Except for one. That candle will remain lit. Now for a moment, it'll go back through here. And you'll hear that loud noise will make you jump. and um, So it happens. And you go back around. If you're like me, I run into the door and it's two things. But come back through and the light's still there. Reminding you that Jesus, yes, he died on the cross in 33 AD. But he is not dead anymore. He, even on Good Friday, we are remembering that, yes, he is risen from the dead. And so then we gather for the Easter vigil. And it's, a, it's called a vigil because it's supposed to be a long service. That's the entire point of it. It's supposed to be long. So, because vigil means to keep watch. Remember what Jesus said, could you not keep awake for one hour? You are doing that. So we try to go a little bit longer, so we are actually trying to train ourselves to, spiritually to be better than the apostles were, the disciples were on that night. So, but we gather and the church is still dark from Good Friday. And again, the candle starts in the back and you hear these words. And in the ancient church, the ancient practice of the Easter vigil is the church, the churches actually would line with candles because they didn't have electricity yet. And so they gradually light more and more and more and more candles until the church was so hot from all the candles that people would actually begin to sweat. And then you hear the bells ringing and you break forth that, word, that A word that we have not said all through Lent. And the joy bursts forth, remembering that, yes, Jesus died. He was put into that darkened tomb, but that darkened tomb could not snuff out, could not hold the light of the world, and he emerged victorious. And see, we dwell in darkness. And our temptation is to focus on our sin. Our temptation is even to focus on ourselves, which if you're, in really, if you're in a dark enough room, you can't even see much more than your hand. Our, our temptation is to look and see how good I am, how I can measure up. But in reality, our eyes should be set on the light, looking on him. And he is looking in his, that candle, that light, that is Christ, is standing firm. Because in his death, he brings you light. He brings you life. Baptism, which we've talked about last week. You were clothed. And at your baptism, that candle is lit. And you receive your own candle. And if, by the chance, does anybody know their baptism birthday? Anybody that's in, middle, anybody that's in youth groups should know their baptism birthday or should be able to find out. Because they've all gotten cards in the last for three years straight. 
So, but in, that's actually one of the practices of the light that every baptism birthday to remind you that you are clothed with Christ. You bear that light. See, no matter your sin, no matter the depth of your darkness, no matter what it is that you feel shame for, he still tells you, look to him. Or look to him. Look to the cross. Look to Jesus. In him you have hope. In him you have rest. In him you have life. And he said, and no matter how dark your darkness may be, it cannot overcome the light of Christ. The light shines in the darkness. You don't have Batman to come and rescue you because Batman's not real. Jesus is a historical figure. Jesus really breathed, walked, talked. He ate food. He took naps. He went fishing. He did all those things that people do, but he rose, he conquered death, he rose from the dead, and he is God in the flesh. And you who dwell in darkness, look to his cross, look to his banner, and he leads you out of darkness. And he leads you to a light where darkness is no more, where he fully consumes the darkness. And you know what you do until we get to the end of that journey? You keep on shouting out to the others in the darkness and say, hey, yeah, it's hard to see in here. Just follow that light. Just follow Jesus. Follow Christ. Hear his word. And he will lead you out of darkness. Until we enter into his marvelous light. To him be all glory. In Jesus' name, amen.